This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT, because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises, from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest Wi-Fi access for customers. BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. This is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley, bringing the best of my Times Radio show Monday to Friday, 10 till 1. You can listen on your DAB radio, on your smart speaker, or on the Times Radio app. Just download it and you can take us wherever you go. Now, coming up on today's episode is Wednesday, so it must be PMQ's unpacked Tim Shipman and Aisha Hazarika here to pause the action from the House of Commerce. Before that, though, it's Wednesday, no Albert because we haven't got any Robert Crutton. So instead, we've got Ian Martin and Alice Thompson. The Columnists on Times Radio. Alice, you're back from your travels. You, yeah. were, you joined us live from an airport last week. It was rather depressing because last week I was actually taking off my shoes and my belt and trying to get through uh, when I was meant to be on air. So it was a bit fraught, Ian, I have to say. Oh, and dear. I ended oh. up doing the whole thing underneath the Toblerone. But as a result, I have now bought you your own <coughs> Toblerone from Duty Free. Oh, that's not, that, tell you what, that, that sugar rush And as we know, you're through. slightly hungover. Whoa, whoa, I whoa, 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 that's not what we know. That's not what we know. Well, we can see you're looking a bit peaky today. No, I'm yeah. not. I'm the, looking... the evidence is pointing in that direction. I'm not yeah. giving a little green, don't you think, Ian? Yeah. This is, look at this. It's big. It is a big one. For the whole team, oh. though, not just you. Well, I'm going to polish this off. Go full partridge, polish off a total of a dry to done even that any shoes on. Anyway, let's not get bogged down in that. Uh, let, let's let's get stuck into all of the excitement of the local elections. Are you excited, Ian, tomorrow? I, I, uh, aren't you excited? Aren't well, you I am excited. I'm on the radio, especially tomorrow psyched night for, for three hours. Without any results. Without but any it, results. It'll be <laughs> fascinating nonetheless. <laughs> be all the better for... Uh... Now, who do you think is winning the war of expectation management? Because there was a point when uh, somebody predicted the toys might lose a thousand seats. Which nobody yeah. thinks they will. So if they don't, then they'll end up declaring it a great triumph. But they always do this. I mean, Ken Baker famously did it in the nineteen eighties. I think um, they they build up the sort of expectation: X is going to lose a thousand seats, Y is going to win three hundred seats. I think what really matters is the share of the vote. That's the thing to look for. The uh, the sort of there's a notional calculation which you'll get from people like John Curtis um, the following day, which pieces together. A sort of you know what Labour are on and what the Tories are on, and that's the thing to look for because uh, while all the other stuff is entertaining, that vote share tells you uh, whether or not Rishi Sunak is making any progress or not, or whether he's um, you know doing a pretty good job, but it's not really um, impacting on the voters. And there are signs that he's he is making a bit of an impact, Alice. That you know the, the polls have narrowed. You know we've gone from saying it's twenty five points to twenty points, and now it's fifteen points, which Yes, is a, is you know that's still a, a, a decent sized lead, but there is clearly something happening that 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 big Labour lead does seem to be eroding a bit. I think Keir Starmer has got a problem in that way, and that part of it is because Rishi Sunak and him are quite similar, so they're two quite straightforward, slightly staid. Uh, predictable men who are very much trying to steady the boat. And I think that's, you know, for Keir, he can't now show he's different. And I think it is, as Ian said, it's going to be very interesting to see how well Rishi does in the elections. I think there's only one other, I think there will be some local issues. I think sewage is going to be a massive issue, particularly down, say, in the West Country, where I think people have had enough of those sort of things. And I think housing, maybe, it'll be interesting to see if Keir Starmer's views on housing have trickled through yet, the fact that he wants to have more house building, which obviously goes down quite badly in quite a lot of the... 
yeah. local elections. I mean, it's a reversion, isn't it? After the the, the, the Boris and Truss era and all the chaos of the last five, six years, maybe even longer, um, it is a, a turn back to a bit more sort of statesmanlike, mm. um, straightforward, technocratic um, battle between the between the two between the two leaders. But the, the number tens view has been this year so far the polls don't really matter but mm. then they have started to close a bit so suddenly, so they, suddenly, they, they, suddenly they do matter yeah. so, you're right something is happening but it's a uh, it's a couple of points here or there i mean he's taken them from the the low of the trust period back into a position where it can be a bit more competitive more like sort of low 30s and then if he can take some votes from reform yeah and some votes off labor and then there are don't know floating voters he might, might do it. So it's interesting because there was uh, much excitement. Yes, yesterday, uh, the Sun's got this big, big mega poll. Uh, and uh, on the question of Beth Leader, 26% said Rishi Sunak and 24% said Keir Starmer. Now, um, no, those figures aren't really very good for either of them. But it does tell you something that, that, that Rishi Sunak can nudge ahead of Keir Starmer on that. Yeah, I think on the personal ratings it is. I think what you have to look at also, mm. though, is cost of living, NHS, those sort of issues that Rishi Sunak's going to try and sort out. But at the moment, that there is that fundamental view that the Tories have messed it up and that they've been in too long. So that's what he's got, got to try and balance. And I think, personally, actually, people do think he is trying. They, they think he is a different era. And I think that's what they've got to push. They've got to try and show that they are completely different from the Tories yeah. that came before them. And they're almost like a whole new party. And I think that's what will work to their benefit in the end. And he's done, I mean, it's a, it's a change election, which is mm. coming up. Uh, and he's done the, the obvious thing, really. And the only uh, route available to him was to try and suggest to voters that he represents that change rather than Labour, mm. that he's enough of a contrast with Boris and uh, Truss. Uh, crazy years. Um, well, we'll see. What about the Lib Dems? Because... What about the Lib Dems? Well, I mean, they're still on 10% in the polls, but these are the elections where, they, where if they are going to have an impact on the general election, we, sh we should be seeing them picking up those suburban Tory areas. Yeah, you know, the they, dominant they, Rab country. I think they 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 probably will actually. Yeah. They'll probably have a have a good night, and they're obviously targeting. I mean, it's the it's the sort of Buckinghamshire, Amersham, that yeah. sort of that that kind of England. Um, they're they're bound to make progress. I mean, the irony is, as someone uh, as a senior Tory was pointing out to me the other day, that if Labour win, th those places will be blanketed in. Concrete with build, you know, with building and house building and all the rest of it, so it won't really make any difference in the long run. But it can, it, it can hurt the Tories, yeah. and also the Tories just have this this structural problem with their vote, which is a consequence of the unraveling of Boris, which is that they've got the red wall where they need one set of messages, and then they've got that sort of blue wall yeah. area where they are under pressure from the Lib Dems and have to appear centrist and reasonable. It's quite difficult to square both of that. So it, I suppose Sunak's approach is to really just make it a question of leadership. It's interesting. If you look at the most recent YouGov poll for the Times, of the people who voted Conservative in 2019, 64%, is it 64, I think, uh, said they'd still stick with the Tories. 14% go to Labour, 6% go to the Lib Dems, and 12% go to Reform. So they're sort of scattered all over the place. And you're right, one message which might bring back the reform people yeah. might repel more, a, a different group of people to Labour. Yeah, but it's always that, that thing, that, that point that, that Blair makes, which is that between elections, which is still just about now, the choices between, your, between the, the, the government you have and yeah. your perfect government, your sort of fantasy idea of a government, and then when you actually get into the final couple of weeks in a general election campaign, you're faced really with a choice... Mm. A practical choice about which of the two alternatives you favour. What about your um, as the representative of the Southwest, Alice? What do you think is going on there? Are the Lib Dems coming back in what used to be a stronghold for them, but then Brexit really, really shattered that because they were so pro-Remain and, and the region wasn't. Well, I always think the West Country is one of those ones that gets forgotten. And then I remember George Osborne uh, in his second election when everyone... In fact, I was on the battle bus with Nick Clegg and he thought he was going to do very well in the West Country. And George Osborne really targeted the West yeah, Country yeah, yeah. and they won a lot of seats there, the Tories. So it's always a difficult one to guess. And I would say it is issues like clean beaches that are going to have mm. an effect. It's the farming, it's the Brexit hasn't worked. Um, so I think it's very difficult to predict, but the Lib Dems need to target it much 
more heavily because that is their... I mean, it was their stronghold. Yeah, now yeah. there are a lot of independents down there. In places like Tiverton, they have got a lot more people who are standing as independents, um, and that's going to be tough for them. It'll be interesting to see what happens that if the point Ian was making, if, the, if it's a change election, if it's a get the Tories out election, then in lots of those seats, the only way to get the Tories out is to vote Lib Dem. And it just depends if, if, the, if the Lib Dems can squeeze the Labour votes to, to, to make that happen. Well, when we had tractor porn in Tiverton, that was mm. a case in point when you know you, they didn't know where to go, some of the voters. They didn't yeah. want to vote Tory, but it was quite difficult for them to decide who to vote for. Well, they ended up... And that went Lib Dem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens. Oh, but let's turn our attention now to, um, well, uh, issues in Scotland, if the SNP didn't have enough to worry about. Uh, Joanna Cherry has been no-platformed. Uh, she's an SNP MP. Uh, she was due to appear at an event uh, at the uh, Edinburgh Fringe. But the Stand Comedy Club says her appearance has been cancelled because key operational staff were unwilling to work with her. Uh, she's been outspoken in her opposition to uh, to uh, change to self-identification for transgender people. Um, what do you make of this? It's one of these, this is one of these issues where I just think, well, venues pick and choose all the time who they put on. But also, I instinctively think that people shouldn't be no-platformed. By the staff at the venue. Yeah. I think it's really quite sinister. And she made that point herself in her response on Twitter. She, she claimed that she'd been invited by the, by the venue and then effectively disinvited. And that the, the, the venue cared about the, the feelings and freedom of thought and freedom of speech of the staff, but not of, uh, of, of her. I think she's quite a remarkable person. You know, she's... her. Politics are obviously very, very different from mine in, in terms of the Constitution. She's a nationalist, convinced on that independence is the answer. But I think on this, she's been exceptionally brave and uh, a real, you know, a real, as I say, sort of case study in in bravery. Um, so I think she's been treated appallingly. And what's what's worse is the is the silence from her colleagues in the SNP who have seen this happen to her in the last 24, 48 hours and have just refused to just refuse to support her or even engage with, with the question. And actually, if she'd been no platform because she supported independence and the venue didn't like that, that they'd be all over. Precisely, but she, she's just been very, very determined. I personally think that she's, that she's right on the, on the question, on the uh, gender reform question in the Scottish Parliament and she has made enormous sacrifices for her political career. She's one of the most talented people in the SNP on the uh, SNP benches at Westminster. Some people will say that that's setting a low bar but she's but she is a very, very talented person who could be doing lots of other uh, yeah. things outside politics and uh, she's been treated appallingly by the party establishment and by Nicola Sturgeon, the, the, um, the, the former leader. And um, you know, I think she she deserves a lot more backing. What do you think of this, Alice? Is it up to the venue to pick and choose who they? No, and also I think the Edinburgh Fringe is so huge that you can have all these different opinions. So yeah. it seems extraordinary. It shouldn't be the, the staff there that are choosing, but you just need a bit of a balance. And actually, that should be up to the organisers, and they should be balancing it. And I, it seems astonishing that staff can decide they don't like something. Yeah, and I mean, I've been to the the, the stand venue. It's it's a really nice place, and they all seem like a nice bunch. But You've probably, you, have you played that venue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were there on the tour last year. It's great. Well, actually, it's, it's a funny little venue because it's, it's it's sort of it's not, you wouldn't probably choose it. Basically, there's lots. It's sort of like almost three rooms all tucked together. And there's a lot of TV screens so that people can see because you basically can't see the stage. It was packed out really when you were there. It was packed out when I was there. They can't and even it is. I mean, it's Scotland's main yeah. comedy venue. Yeah, there's one, know, in, one in Edinburgh and one in Glasgow, yeah. and yeah, it's a really. Um, but yeah, I think, I, and of course, was established by Tommy Shepard, Tommy, yes. who's an SNP, SNP, no, SNP MP, yeah, and yeah. used to be Deputy General Secretary of the Scottish Labour Party. But that was a long time. Ago. Such <laughs> yeah. a Scottish politics. How do I know that? A lot of well, yeah. bit, you know, too old. This is a safe space for your, your <laughs> <political> <laughs> <laughs> Um Alice, let's talk about your your column as well today. Um, uh, we've, we've we've talked a bit about um, George Osborne wants to ban. Uh, what um, smoking and tax orange juice, but you, you've written today about uh, the way to halt child obesity and saying it's not, you know, we shouldn't just be doling out drugs. 
Well, we've got this idea now that actually you let children eat whatever they want till 12 and they are being pushed the most kind of uh, addictive products. So it's all the kind of fried chicken, crisps, cakes, biscuits. And then at 12, in America, they've already said they're going to do this. And in Britain, we may. You then could um, get fat drugs effectively to slim you down again. It's this idea to me that we're sort of turning these children into balloons so they get fatter and fatter and fatter and then we inject them. And at 12, they start going on drugs. And it's that up and down. It's, you know, it's the all yeah. or nothing. That, in fact, what we should be doing is looking at children and thinking we need to teach them about exercise and healthy eating. And these huge pharma companies and, um, you know, manufacturing food companies are making vast amounts out of these children getting fat and thin and fat and thin. I must admit, it was something I wasn't really aware of, Ian. No, it's... not really. And staring at your giant uh, Toblerone. You two are too um, thin, but lots of men I know are taking the um, the new fat drugs, basically. You're not taking fat drugs, are you? To, to get fatter or, or thinner? <laughs> I get confused. Um, no, I mean, it, it, I thought it was a fascinating yeah. column, really, really interesting, and it and you know made a made a really good point. It is just a, it's a really complicated area to write about, though, isn't it? Because people just don't like being lectured or even advised on the subject and people have very take it very mm. very personally but it just seems to be just looking at the looking at the numbers for something else I was writing the other day um we have a problem compared to compared to a country like France or a country mm. like it or particularly a country like Italy um but short of the government saying running adverts saying basically eat less sort of eat less and move a bit more Ah, but that's nanny statism. Yeah, but, but with there are loads of... That's the problem. I think there are loads of countries that are doing something. So we mm. always think there's nothing you can do about it. But in Japan, they had a serious problem after the Second World War because all these American soldiers came in and they just had all this junk food. Changed the diet. And they changed the diet. And they're now one of the thinnest nations in the West. And, so you, and also Finland's done it. Amsterdam's doing it. So it's not a case of this is almost impossible to tackle and we don't know what to do. It's a case of we're too embarrassed to tackle it. And... We seem to think that it's personal responsibility. And in this case, yeah. I think losing weight isn't personal responsibility anymore. I think we're just so bombarded by rubbish mm. food that actually everyone does need help to stop. Yeah. You saw this recently with the uh, on diabetes and there were letters yeah. to the Times from, from various um, clinicians who'd been making the point that, making this point for years, that rather than going down the drug route that effectively you did just need to say to people, right, well, this is going to take six months and it's going to take an 800 to a thousand calorie diet and a little bit of light exercise. I mean, that's the other strange thing about the modern approach is that I think people think you have to then kind of join a gym yeah, yeah, yeah. and train very aggressively, whereas that actually sends the body contrary signals about what it needs in terms of calories. The, the, the key thing seems to be, certainly with something like diabetes, it's worth a go, is to is to just reduce dramatically the number of, yeah, yeah, calories. Number of calories. But that is not walk. a message that people yeah. like hearing at all. They get furious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's turn our attention now to protests. One of the weirdest uh, headlines I've seen, actually, was last week. The government put out a press release saying, government acts to stop highly disruptive slow walking uh, that they want to clamp down on, which apparently is uh, one of the big threats to uh, the country. Um, it obviously comes on the back of uh, protest groups like Extinction Rebellion and Just Stop Oil. There's a, a story in The Sun today, a big poll. 44% of Brits think police are too lenient with uh, groups like Extinction Rebellion and Just Stop Oil. 46% want tougher sentences. It comes a new law. Uh, it comes to force today, which means protesters who interfere with roads and railways or lock on to street furniture can now face a year or six months in prison, respectively. This was the Security Minister Tom Tugner on Times Radio a bit earlier. These are powers that we've been speaking about for a while, ever since the police started to ask for them, because you'll know, many of your listeners will know, that people trying to get to hospital, trying to get to work, trying to get to school, uh, have been uh, have had their lives disrupted in ways that are frankly unacceptable. Uh, and so this government uh, is doing what I think is absolutely right, which is making sure that uh, in order to grow the economy, we're, we enable people to get around. Uh, and that. Oh, well, there we are. We need to grow the economy and just stop people walking slowly here. Yeah, I do think it's a, quite a serious, um, mm. you know, serious problem. You, you look at that, how it kind of went viral last week, the protests in central London where people were, you know, attempting to haul off the protesters mm. and just people trying to get to work, really, and trying to earn a living in very difficult circumstances and puzzled as to why the police couldn't do more and seem to be siding with the protesters. I'm actually quite surprised, though, that the numbers are so low. In terms of support for... Yeah, and so I would have thought the number would have been higher, which suggests that maybe XR are making some progress. Yeah. 
I mean, the weird thing is, Alice, if you, what a, the purpose of a protest is to draw attention to your cause, but also to win people over, to, to build support for your cause. And actually just annoying people seems like a really counterproductive thing. Like, actually, I think, you know, chucking some paint around at the snooker doesn't really bother, you know, it's not that big a deal. Um, there's a, almost a victimless crime, if you like, but well, everyone, everyone talks about you for a bit. In a way that blocking the roads so ambulances can't get through causes a major problem and actually doesn't really build any support for your, your cause. Yeah, I think I can see them wanting to get a good photo, but my problem is that you're actually sort of attacking people who are ordinary people trying to get to work, mm. trying to get to school. The worst ones are the hospitals. Yeah. And and actually what you should be doing is going for some of the big companies that aren't yeah, doing yeah. enough about either of the environment. Yeah, there's not or, a lot of oil used in snooker, to be fair. Well, <laughs> um, it just seems odd. The, the people they go Obviously for are really strange, aren't they? They're not, they're not going for the ones that are actually damaging the environment in the way... way you know, actually, I, I feel yeah. deeply sorry for ordinary people who are trying to go, particularly when they're on trains or yeah. public transport, when they're not actually getting into their own car. And there is that frustration and also that fear that, you you know, we're just getting back after COVID, after cost mm. of living. And, and so there's a whole other issue about getting to work, which is really complicated for people. But I thought the snooker protest actually was a was was an act of class war, really. I mean, it, it was, I, I can't remember if the, the, the person who did it was called and I can't remember precisely the name. It was plastered all over the, the, the sun uh, and various other papers. But this was someone who really just placed their own beliefs above the all the effort that people have made to go to this thing, um, which is a major part of the sporting calendar that is, you know, it, its fans are, I'm not going to say from a certain dem- demographic, but it has it comes from a different kind of England from the uh, from the protesters. And the contempt as he was then marched out, and he just said, "This is you should care more about the climate than you care about this um, this protest mm. and your disruption." It's just yeah. based on a fundamental philosophical understanding that they do care about their about their leisure pursuits yeah, 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 and yeah. what they like, and he doesn't have the right to disrupt it or or, or spoil Edward. it. Edward, his name was Edward Whittingham. <laughs> Sorry a, to any Tarquins out Tarquin, there. Edward, a a the politics of a lofty and economics student at Exeter University, and a professional protester. Yeah, Apparently, you can are. hire him. Can you? Well, for any other causes? Apparently you can, yeah. he yeah, To cover his living costs, you can. So I, I learned that in the sun. There we are. Yeah. Alice Thompson and Ian Martin. And of course, you can read the stories we were discussing. Just hit the links in the podcast description. And subscribe to The Times by going to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Red Box. Up next is PMQ's Unpacked. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. You're listening to the Redbox Podcast now. It's time for this. PMQ's Unpacked on Times Radio. Unpacking the politics and cutting through the crossfire. Yes, it's PMQ's Unpacked. And we thought for just a, a bit of added fun. Uh, this week, we'd bring in Times Radio's very own Aisha Hazawika. Aisha, how are you? Greetings. Greetings, Matt. How's your hangover? <sighs> we don't need to. We don't need to. <laughs> I love that sigh. We're not. We're not I can smell it. We're not giving a running culture. <laughs> uh, we thought it would be a bit funny if you're having it in here, but Tim Shipman... Tim, oh, he, he's here! Oh, my goodness! He's here! Tim Shipman's arrived. How are you, Tim? I'm very well. I think Keir Starmer should go on the how nothing works on Britain's railways. <laughs> <laughs> Your train was cancelled. But you've made it. You've made I'm it. Here. Heroically. Now, Aisha, um, you've... Uh, but, but in your previous life, you used to prepare people for PMQs 
What would you suggest Keir Starmer go on today? So given that it's the final PMQs before the local elections, which is really important for, for both uh, men, big test for Rishi Sunak, first at the ballot box, but also important for Keir Starmer, I think housing is something which uh, I think Keir Starmer should go on. It's a really, really big issue. Um, they're trying to, you know, particularly with the... Uh, U-turn on uh, tuition fees, which has upset quite a lot of younger voters. I think kind of housing is something which will sort of get back on that uh, track. It's a big issue all over the country. I've been speaking to lots of Labour candidates that have been out door knocking, mm. and it's something that's coming up. It's coming up on the doorstep all over the country. Uh, Labour have a bit of a policy on it, <laughs> which is which is quite wow, good. Wow, that's something, isn't it? Um, yeah. uh, they said that they would, you know, bring back those mandatory um, targets. Sadiq Khan in London's got a bit of good news on that today. And I think they'll go hard on this idea that Rishi Sunak might resurrect help to buy. Yeah. So I think that's quite a clear, that's quite a neat dividing line for them. And actually, Tim, there's an interesting column by Patrick McGuire at the Times this week. The, the, the Labour Party even looking at the Green Belt. They think that there are bits of the Green Belt that could be built, built on. I think most people who look at housing policy think quite a lot of the green belt is actually brown and could be built on. The problem is that the second you raise it... Um, the Telegraph people, launches the campaign. The Daily Telegraph will launch a campaign and various um, uh, Tory MPs will have utter conniptions. Um, I think one of, you know, the great irony of the brief Liz Truss period is that she spent her whole time going on about how she wanted economic growth, but yet she allowed the scrapping of housing targets, which was the one thing that was A, bad for the generation Aisha's talking about, but B, completely undermines any claims you would have to be pro-growth. Um, I'm told they, uh, you know, they had this policy and um, they kept trying to chuck various ideas at it to make it pro-growth and the officials just kept turning around saying, so you've scrapped the targets, so <laughs> and whatever else you do, you're not going to make it into a pro-growth policy. It's completely impossible. So... Uh, you know, housing, along with um, high-speed rail, nuclear power, is on a long list of things where both main parties have completely failed this country for the last generation. I also think as well, just because it's the final one before um, local elections, you're going to see a lot of really bad messaging towards the end, <laughs> where they sort of try... Really and terrible <laughs> slogan rehearsal. Yes, well, as long as yeah, they're so bad, yeah. they're good. That's what we need. Now, one thing we do need to check, Aisha, um, is can you do any impression? Can you do an impression of Bungle from Rainbow? <laughs> Ed, or <laughs> <laughs> we're not re we're not repeating this, are we? <laughs> I still can't remember why, but for some reason last week Tim and I ended up doing impressions of Zippy and George from Rainbow. So if you could if you could do a Bungle, that would be complete the set. <sighs> I can't even remember how Bungle. I vaguely he was like the big hairy big, one, big, big, big hairy bear. Yeah. yeah, I can't quite remember that. Well, we'll work on that in the next okay. half now. Um, I did do a good Ed Miliband impression. You did a very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, a bit of bad pressure is very good. We may well, we may well return to that. Thanks. That's uh, why I'm here. We've got, we've got, uh, we have now. We found some people watching on YouTube from uh, uh, around the world. Stuart is in uh, afternoon from the Caspian Sea. Wow. Uh, Shrey is in Australia. Yeah, I don't uh, think they watch Rainbow down there. To be honest, uh, <laughs> somebody in Bath. Um, Somebody on the YouTube says it is Softy, S-O-F-T-E-E, -E, Mr. Softy. Mm. I'm not sure that's... Um, uh, someone's in upstate New York, um, Gravesend, Maidervelle, Moorgate, um, lots of you. Uh, Asaka, Asaka, that's probably that's probably the furthest away. Stuart, uh, very good afternoon to you. Right, uh, we're gearing up, we're ready to go to the House of Commons, and this is question number one from Keir Stummer. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I join the Prime Minister in his comments about the coronation across the House? We're all looking forward to the celebrations this weekend. Mr Speaker, does the Prime Minister know how many mortgage payers are paying higher rates since the Tory party crashed the economy last autumn? Well, Mr, Mr. Speaker, our, our, record, our record on home ownership is crystal clear. Because of our tax cuts, 90% of first-time buyers now don't pay any stamp duty at all, Mr Speaker. And, la and last year we saw the largest number of people buying their first home in 20 years, Mr Speaker. That's a Conservative government delivering on people's aspirations to own their own home. Well, there we are, Aisha, going on housing. Yeah. Exactly right. I suspect that Keir Starmer knows the answer to that question, which we'll get in just a moment. Um, interestingly, Yvette Cooper on the front bench, but we'll come to the housing issue in a moment. Coronation. Uh, Did you watch their faces? Yes. <laughs> Yvette Cooper nodding agreement. Angela Rayner looking like, well, maybe we'll get a day off to go, uh, <laughs> go down the pub with my mates or something. Uh, um, but Yvette Cooper, lots of briefing about Yvette Cooper. She's in the Times today insisting that she shouldn't be sacked. 
Uh, yeah, and saying she's very much sort of is happy with the adverts now and yeah. sort of fine that she wasn't consulted yeah, on that, the, even though it was her policy. Brief. Yeah, I mean, I'm really surprised at the briefing against Yvette Cooper because I do think Yvette is a very solid performer on on the front bench. I mean, she's incredibly wow, smart. I, well, she, I think she is. I think she is pretty is good. She? she was. I think she's. I, do you know? What? I think she has helped Labour get a kind of cogent sort of position on, on immigration because immigration is a nightmare topic for Labour because you've got yeah, the yeah. hard left of the party who are pretty much open borders and then, you know, you've got a very, you know, full-on Conservative Party that is really pushing this issue. So I actually think she's done some quite good work on this. I'm really surprised by it and I, I think Keir Starmer should have slapped down... I mean, I know people in his office have slapped down these people a bit, um, but it, does not, it doesn't bode well because she is smart. She's really well-respected in the party and, OK, she's not sort of, you know, dazzling personality. I'm at there, but she's not on manoeuvres either. She doesn't want to be leader. I think she's quite diligent. She's quite a sort of swatty kind of thinking person. Can I make a counter-argument? Yeah. That she was the shadow Home Secretary for the entire time that Theresa May was Home Secretary and did such a good job that Theresa May ended up becoming Prime Minister. And she's had absolutely no impact in the job this time. I don't either. think that's her fault that Theresa May became prime minister. No, but I mean, she, she, where, where, you know, when you David Davis used to see off a, a, a home secretary about once a year. I yeah, don't think she has I any feel... impact at all, whether it's up against Priti Patel or... I think it's probably easier for Tories to see off Labour Home Secretary yeah, than vice versa, yeah. because um, for but the think... reasons Aisha says about the you know the, the views in the party... But she has managed to... The, part, the party's now leading... It's doing much better on immigration than it has done yeah, in a long, long, long time. And, and crime. crime. Yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting. Anyway, that's got nothing to do with home ownership. <laughs> anyway, let's go back to the House of Commons. And uh, Keir Starmer, I'm sure, is about to answer his own question. This is question number two. Mr Speaker, the question was how many people are paying more on their mortgages each month? And the answer that the Prime Minister avoided giving is 850,000. Nearly a million people paying more on their mortgage each month because his party used their money as a casino chip. That's why George Osborne called them economic vandals who created a self-inflicted financial crisis. Not, not for the Prime Minister and his non-dom thing, not for the super wealthy they gave tax cuts to, but for mortgage holders all across the country. So, does the Prime Minister know how many more people will be joining them on higher mortgage rates by the end of this year? Mr. Well, Mr. Mr. Speaker, thanks to the actions we're taking, in fact, the Bank of England is showing that public expectations of inflation have now eased to a 15-month low, Mr. Speaker. Consumer confidence is at the highest level that it's been at since Russia invaded Ukraine, and because of our stewardship of the public finances, we can see a clear way to reduce debt and bring interest rates down. But, Mr. Speaker, he keeps in this habit of quoting the former Labour shadow chancellors. We know that our plans will deliver lower inflation and lower interest rates, but we know we know that his plans, his plans, just mean. More debt, Mr. Speaker, and I quote, and I quote, year after year after year. Those aren't my words. That's the assessment of the former Labour Shadow Chancellor. Bit of a misstep there, wasn't there? He seemed to be saying George Osborne was a former Labour Labour Shadow, 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 Shadow Chancellor, which you know, I mean, some people would argue that some of the things George Osborne did did help the Labour Party, but I don't think that was quite the point of. Uh, it feels of like Starmer's. this edition of PMQs needed a previously a PMQs. There is a, a little bit of, of that. Um, the non-dom thing was that last week or the week before? No, that was last, last week, week yeah. and he looked a bit casually dismissive about it, and so um, yes. Starmer did a bit of an impersonation about there. the non-dom thing, and, and then... he dragged up Osborne and the economic vandals again. And you yeah. know, we talked a little bit about this last week, didn't we? Whether they'll make vandals a bit more of a theme that yeah. goes... Now, I know some of the people who prepare at Keir Starmer for Promises Questions listened to our show last week, mm. so I should be interested to see if they've uh, taken that they on board. rainbow fans. <laughs> uh, that was why they listened to it, because they wanted to hear the rainbow. But it's um, interesting hearing Keir Starmer just continually raise the spectre of Liz Truss. Like, yeah. Liz Truss and Nicola Sturgeon are the two women that have really helped him out right yeah. now. And actually, um, uh, you know, and Keir St um, Rishi Sunak can only present himself as sort of a change government. But Sunak should stand up, talk. shouldn't he, and say, I said all this. I said it was a disaster. Yeah. I said Liz Truss was wrong. I was <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. I got The reason I'm standing here, yeah. leader of the opposition, is because um, I've said it was all nonsense yeah. and I'm sorting I'm it out. Up after the That's exactly. yeah. Now, I mean, it's quite difficult to do that and maintain party unity. <laughs> and but, watch the faces of your colleagues but behind But my God, you that's talk. what he should do. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. He doesn't seem prone to do that now. Uh, right, we go back to the, uh, question number three, which will be answering Keir Starmer's question number two. How many more people on top of the 850,000 will be paying for their mortgages? Let's find out now. Mr Speaker, the, the question was how many more people this year are going to be paying more on their mortgages? And the answer that he avoided giving again, he knows these answers. He's, he's got the stats there in front of him. 930,000 people. So by the end of this year, I know they don't want to talk about it, that's why he won't answer the questions. By the end of this year, nearly two million homeowners counting the cost of the Tories' economic vandalism with every mortgage payment they make. And it's not just those who already own their home that are counting the cost of Tory recklessness. The average deposit for a first-time buyer is going up to £9,000. Does he even know how long it would take an average saver to put that sort of money aside? Mr Speaker, that's, that's why... Mr Speaker... That's why we've introduced a 95% mortgage guarantee scheme, Mr Speaker. It's why we're helping people in social housing own their own home through our first homes and our shared home ownership schemes. But, Mr Speaker, I said, I said these things are working because I said last year we had a record number of first-time buyers, the highest number in 20 years. It was, Mr Speaker, twice the number of first-time buyers than Labour ever managed, Mr Speaker. So whilst Labour failed homeowners, the Conservatives are delivering for them. Yeah. I mean, that, I suppose, that answer, Tim, is why Rishi Sunak can't trash what went before him. It's because he's now trying to claim credit for what happened last year, which is actually Boris... I mean, I suppose not some houses might have been sold during this, this trust's time. But he's simultaneously trying to distance himself from his predecessors while also claiming credit for their successes. It is the perennial march of, yeah. uh, of all governments. Um, you know, I mean, the, the genius of Boris Johnson was to pretend he was a different government from uh, the one that had gone before. Um, Rishi Sunak hasn't quite pulled that off in the mm. same way. Um, though, ironically, he's almost as much of a change from what went before policy-wise as uh, Johnson was from Theresa May. Um, Johnson pulled it off. If Sunak can't, then he's going to get a lot of these questions over the next um, you know, year or so. And, and the fact that Keir Starmer is just hammering this message of economic vandalism and yeah. really going on mortgages, to me as well, that is not just, that's not just a kind of a red wall set of messages that works. That is a set of messages that actually works all across the country. Because even when I was in Scotland last week, people were raging about their mortgages yeah, going yeah. up. So I think that he feels like he's on quite good kind of one-nation territory here. And the, be I mean, the beauty of it is a messaging thing. You've got two million people directly affected, but they'll all have They've all got parents, relatives children, and friends, yeah. brothers, exactly. you know, whatever. People talking about it. And everyone else with a mortgage is therefore worried about it when they come off the back of a mortgage. And everyone who wants to get a yeah. mortgage is worried about it. And shout out to Starmer for the way he frames these questions as well. Does he even know how long yeah. it would take someone to save £9,000? I've just done a quick calculation. Sunak cleared about two million quid last year. It's about 18 hours' work. Yeah for the but, Prime Minister but also what's to get £9,000. <laughs> <laughs> but you're so right, Matt. It's, it's, it's the fear of fear itself around yeah, mortgages, yeah, yeah. isn't it? And it's so hardwired into us. Tim will remember this. During the, um, the, the final throws of the, the Scottish referendum, one of the stories that really swung it back round in favour for unionists was a story saying your mortgages yeah, could yeah. tank off, off, the, off the back of, of independence. And that made a lot of people go, whoa, 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 hang on, I did not sign up for this. Mortgages feels like it's something which is so tangible to people and it gets yeah. straight into, it's your family, it's what you're saving up to pass on to your family. People are very squeamish about it. And much, it's actually more powerful than the sort of uh, Remain campaigns, everyone will be £4,000 worse totally. off. And it just that felt a bit... It really brings it home, yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we've had two mentions of vandalism so far. Somebody on the uh, YouTube channel says, Keir's really shown restraint to have not mentioned kamikaze budget yet. Well, I wonder whether the vandalism thing is actually better by a kamikaze budget. <laughs> yeah. Or LEDs. Yeah, it's early days yet. We've only got... We've only, we've only, what, three questions well, in? I wouldn't rule out omni-shambles by the end of this. Happy days. Let's see if we get another vandals. Uh, let's go back to the House of Commons. So this is PMQ's Unpacked on Times Radio and on the Times Radio YouTube channel. We go back to the House of Commons to question number four. Mr Speaker, every week, whatever the topic, he stands there and pretends everything is fine across the country. And every week he does so, he reinforces just how out of touch he is. £9,000, ha ha ha, £9,000 would take four years. They think it's funny that... Hope, nine thousand four years. 
four years for the average saver to save £9,000. Or, or, or to put it a different way, in terms the Prime Minister will understand, roughly the annual bill to heat his swimming pool. <laughs> but for most people, for most people, four more years of scrimping is a hammer blow to their ambitions. And now he's kicking them when they're down, because his decision to scrap housing targets is killing the dream of home ownership for a generation. Why doesn't he admit he got it wrong and reverse it? Mr Speaker, I promised to put local people in control of new housing. And I'm proud that that's what I delivered within six weeks of becoming Prime Minister. Now, he wants to impose top-down housing targets. He wants to concrete over the green belt and ride roughshod over local communities. Now, previously, Mr Speaker, he did say, he's on record in saying, local people, local communities should have more power, more control. Now he's U-turned. Just another in a long list of broken promises. Thomas doing quite well here, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. 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 Apart from that, he's obviously him. got no idea how much it costs to heat a swimming pool. I mean, if you can do it for nine grand a year, I, I, I mean, I don't have a swimming pool, but I'm aware of some people yeah, that do, and yeah. I think you'll find it costs quite a lot. Yeah, but that was quite a good attack line. Oh, it was a very good attack line. I've written oof down. I mean, yeah. it's like, that's like, that's like a proper... I mean, again, this is like a very good... You know, he's building up an argument. He's gone in on something very uh, emotive, something which is sort of, you know, resonates with people with the mortgages. And now, look, housing targets are a little bit more kind of geeky, but they do matter to people because mm. people have now made the link between targets and delivery. And that line Rishi Sunak said, oh, you're just going to concrete over the green belt. There are many, as you say, mothers, fathers, grandparents who would like a bit of building over the green belt so that their kids or grandkids could get a nice house. And um, for, you know... A- Frankly, an old-style Tory dry on the economy who believes in doing stuff that's deeply disingenuous from Sunak. That's well, a total uh, suck up to his own party. The other thing, yeah. um, he knows the numbers and he knows that that's what leads to growth, and he can't yeah. do it. His other reference to just another one of his broken promises. Well, that's the next thing, though, isn't it? Because this is what we're going to get more of now, and it does show up in the focus groups. People say about Starmer, oh, he keeps changing his mind, he keeps U-turning, and. You know, that I suspect, you know, when we've only had four questions so yeah, far, yeah. I'd be very surprised if we don't hear an answer that involves uh, tuition fees and U-turns and all that sort of stuff. And a bit of Sue Gray. A bit of, yeah. <laughs> Although, I mean, you know, there's not very much of Rishi Sunak's... We have Sunak's... to cross ourselves as well. Yes, we? <laughs> there's not very much of Rishi Sunak's leadership promises which have survived contact with reality. I suppose, a bit, you know, they're both guilty of saying one thing to try and run for leader and then doing something different. Yeah, I suppose the thing for Starmer, though, is th- this thing is beginning to stick uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a little. There's all these things do, you know, going on social media of him saying, I absolutely 100% pledge that this is going to be in my manifesto. And it's like, oh. And, you know, Rachel Reeves was out this morning doing a doughty defence saying, look, you know, things change. You know, I, I, look, we can't commit to stuff. Things are going to change. I suspect that will get clipped up and used as part of the, the attack lines against against Labour. Look, the reality is, why should Keir Starmer cling to what was not just an election-losing manifesto, but Labour? The Labour Party got absolutely humped at the last No, but maybe you should election. cling to what he promised when he ran for Labour leader. That's but that the... was part... Yeah, I mean, but that was also part of him having to get control of the party yeah. at the time. And you're I allowed suppose... to lie as long as you're doing in the left. <laughs> yes. As long as you're doing in Jeremy Corbyn, you can say what you like. That seems to be the approach. And actually, you know, to I be fair to Aisha, that is a quite widely held view in the mainstream elements of the Labour Party. You yeah. do what you have to do to beat these people. and then. Uh... But I think Starmer's changed a bit, actually, as well. I think he was, you know, yeah. people who grew up with him say he was pretty left-wing. Um, I think he imagined when he took over that there might be a way of taking control uh, but keeping, uh, you know, uh, the sort of soft to reasonably hard left but not the far yeah. hard left in in and he realized when he took over that that wasn't possible actually um and that he needed to just grab hold of this thing and take it somewhere practical that was likely ruthless. to be, be yeah. ruthless and make it electable and he realized these people didn't want to go on that journey with him they wanted to stick there and um, mouth their um popular nostrums you know that they've held to for decades yeah. and and actually i think that has changed him as a politician I mean, and as a person yeah. i mean look, jeremy corbyn's wife this morning has tweeted saying that she thinks Keir has got sort of a severe mental health issue because he keeps changing his mind on on things. So, he... whereas Jeremy, of course, never changed his mind about anything no. in in sixty years. Yeah. And 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 that did brilliantly for the league. <laughs> <laughs>
Here's an interesting point there. Andrew's just posted on the uh, Times Radio YouTube channel. I like Starman. I like this version of him over the hard left leadership election version. The question is, if I vote for him, which version is the real one? Well, and that's the question the Tories need to put into voters' minds, yeah. isn't it? Um, if you, you take get? the view that he's now being pragmatic and he'll stick to it, then there's not much to fear uh, if you're one of those voters. Um, if you think he might start getting pushed around by the unions and, and people who know how to organise, then, you know, that's always a concern. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, having spent a bit of time with him, I think, he, I do agree with what Tim said, I think he's been on a journey. Yeah. But I do think now he is ruthlessly focused on not just um, scraping over the line into Downing Street, you know, the first... He doesn't want to limp into Downing Street. He wants a, a convincing win. He is not and a he wing wants, vaso, Yes, absolutely. And he wants to not just win for one term. He wants to win for two terms. And he realises he's got to send that message out now to people. So whoever messaged in, that actually is the germane question. If I'm a yeah, Labour yeah. strategist, that is the germane question I want to answer to your listeners and all our listeners yeah. and to all these people across the country to say, look... This is who I am now. I have been on a journey, but I'm ruthlessly pragmatic. I'm going to do what's right for the country, not what's right in terms of my ideology. Yeah. And also, the thing with the tuition fees thing, he should take that on the chin as well and say, the reason I can't commit to that is because this is a Labour Party that is not going to pour money down the drain. Yeah. We need to check everything is affordable before we commit to it. Um, and he can turn that then into the sort of economic kind of, um, uh, you know, the sort of Rachel Reeves argument that you can trust Labour with the economy and make a virtue of the fact that he's changed his mind about this thing. Because, of course, Keir Starmer would like to give free tuition fees to people. The fact that he's not, he's, it's there for a reason. Yeah, because yeah. they, they want to look, you know, like they're competent on the economy. But also, and he should, he should shout that from the rooftops. On the uh, free tuition fees, it sounds great and it sounds fantastic. It trips off the tongue really easily, but it isn't quite like the amazing thing that is. If you look at Scotland, which does have free tuition um it's actually seen as quite a middle-class subsidy. It's kind of, there is yeah. a cap on the number of students that can go. What would be a better... And See, this is the thing, right? It's fine to say I'm not doing this policy. That's fine. What he and his team have got to do is fill it with something this is what the alternative yeah, is. Yeah. That's what they've got to do quickly now. They could look at bringing back a decent maintenance grant. They could uh, look at doing, you know, better things in terms of how it's sort of paid back, maybe move to more of a sort of graduate tax system. But... It's one thing to, I think, change your mind on things, but he does need to start sort of saying, right, this is what this I'm is doing instead. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's where a graduate tax is much more straightforward because you can set it at different levels. This is, always has been a graduate tax, um, and most people never end up paying back what they owe. Um, and however many times the papers write about that, it doesn't never, never seems to quite get through <laughs> to people that if you're not making that much, you don't really have to pay much of it back. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's go back because we've still got two more questions to get through. Uh, this is question number five from Keir Starmer. Mr Speaker, the only power is given to local communities not to build houses. And we know why he won't change course. He admitted it last month. His councillors simply don't want to build the houses local people need, so he's given them a way out. Picture the scene as he explains this to a family. Mum and Dad paying four grand extra on the mortgage because the tourists tanked the economy. Their eldest paying hundreds more in rent. Their youngest still stuck in the spare room because they need an extra £9,000 for a deposit. Then, then along comes the Prime Minister and merrily tells them, sorry for crashing the economy, we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> sorry I can't help you with the house building, but my councillors don't like it. Oh, and before I go, here's a massive council tax increase for your troubles. Why doesn't he stop the excuses, stop blaming everyone else, and just build some houses instead. Yeah. Mr. 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 Speaker, our memories aren't on that short. We all know what happened last time when they were in power. There was no money left for the country. Let's talk about the record. Timeless. Let's talk about the Labour record on house building, Mr. Speaker. In London, the former Conservative mayor built 60,000 affordable homes in his first five years in office. How many did the current Labour, ma Labour mayor manage? Half of that, Mr. Speaker. In, in Wales, we need 12,000 new homes a year. How many have Labour built in the last year? Half of that, Mr. Speaker. As ever, Labour talk and the Conservatives deliver. Oh, what a joyous moment that Boris was. Johnson the delivered. former Conservative mayor. Let us not give him his name. <laughs> no, we won't, we won't name him. <laughs> 
presumably he's not you there. Could, well, he's presumably not there, but you can imagine him now climbing the walls at the fact that Rishi Sunak won't give Boris Johnson a shout-out for building <laughs> twice as many houses as Sadiq Khan. What a wonderful moment that was. <laughs> Someone says, please, it is 2023, and they're still talking, you know, you can't keep harking back to there's no money left. Oh, I mean, that note was getting, Greg Hans is taking it on tour. It's like an installation. It might win the Turner Prize <laughs> at some point like that. I mean, it is a bit... It I looks... hope they've got a photocopy. I hope they're not damaging the original. Oh, me too. They probably had loads of them <laughs> It needs to be in a museum up. somewhere. Well, that should be the National Archive, shouldn't exactly. it? Exactly. I mean, it was... Yeah. I mean, look, I think it was a stupid note for, for Liam Byrne to have done personally, but I'll tell you the villain, villain all of this. David Laws. Yeah. David Laws is the one that sort of leaked it. There is a tradition where people do these notes, and actually, when they do come out, they're very interesting. They're often a snapshot of history. There's some interesting humour. There's some interesting advice. David Laws did it while all the time is an orange booker going along with all the austerity yeah. that you know David Laws was not the sort of the person standing up um, against the Conservative Party at the worst point of Lib Dem splitting discord between the Tories oh, and Labour who would so have thought it? I, know, I know but of um, all the directions I thought today might go I didn't expect to but interesting, again, we hear Keir Starmer at the beginning, that was quite an effective riff, I thought he sort of painted that picture of the sort of, you know, reality of many middle-of-the-road, middle-England yeah. families, you well, know, not even you're that. saving Probably up your the kids. vast majority yeah. of yeah. them yeah. these yeah. days. That you was know? a good picture to, to be painted. And he was quite relaxed and he was sort of, you know, conversational and it felt like he, yeah... Uh, right, well, let's go back to see if uh, Boris Johnson gets another mention. Or the uh, note. Or the note. Maybe he's got it with him. <laughs> Brandishing it. Yeah. He should do that. He should start turning up at PMQs every week. I've got a piece it here. Of paper. Yeah. <laughs> I have in my hand a piece of paper. Uh, that always goes down uh, very well for Prime Ministers. Right, let's go back to the House of Commons. <laughs> this is question number six from Keir Stubber. Mr Speaker. <laughs> Debt doubled since 2010. Yeah. Growth down. Yeah. Tax up. Yeah. The economy crashed. Mr Speaker, they're going to need a bigger note. <laughs> and it's right that week oh after week we debate the issues facing in this place. But, but looking beyond the elections tomorrow, we also have a hugely significant weekend coming up with the King's coronation. For most, this will be the first time they've seen a monarch crown. And I hope, and I know across the hope, House people will hope, but people across the country enjoy the ceremony, the street parties, and of course the extra day off. 300 million will tune in. The world will see our country at its best, celebrating the beginning of a new chapter in our history. But it will also be a reminder of the loss of our late Queen, Elizabeth II, and a chance again to remember all that she gave to our country through her dedicated service. So will the Prime Minister join me in honouring our late Queen and wishing the new King a long and happy reign? Yeah. I bet he doesn't. Mr. <laughs> Mr Speaker, as, as I, I said at the outset, we're all looking very much forward to the coronation. It will be a very special moment in the history uh, of our country, and I know that we will join with the country in celebrating it. But before we get to the coronation weekend, Mr Speaker... <laughs> We just got my own uh, valedictory the here. The country is clear. When they go to that ballot box, they can see a party that stands for higher council tax, <laughs> higher crime, and a litany of broken promises, Mr. Speaker. Meanwhile, we're getting on with delivering what we say with lower council tax, lower crime, and fewer potholes. The choice is clear. <laughs> Vote Conservative, Mr. Speaker. Potholes. It takes some skill to go from. Can you pay tribute to the late Queen and managing to answer... It doesn't take skill, it just takes a bit of brass neck, to be honest. I mean, well done, Starmer. That was his old technique of trying to take yeah. the sting out of it at the end. Yeah, he used John, that months ago, he used to use that quite a John lot. John Michael to, says this is a very good uh, uh, to stop Rishi doing the big partisan well, finish. Well, it's, it's a class. I mean, it, it's the equivalent of sometimes, you know, just doing five questions. Yeah. Uh, and then sort you of don't have to use the you, you don't, you don't, and and sometimes that was an effect. If you were really in trouble, I mean, it's it's not a very honourable thing to do, but it is a good device. Or you can split things three and three. Yeah. You can sit down after three and let another people, other people. But that was, 
I mean, very smart of Keir Starmer to try and block him off, but it was <laughs> hilarious to see. You could see Rishi sitting out with a rictus grin on his yeah. face going, I will uh, pay tribute to the late Queen, but I'm just going to do a sewage dump of <laughs> attack lines It's what you right do when now. you're writing a news story in a newspaper and then you just write, meanwhile, meanwhile. and then <laughs> just stick whatever else you felt like on the Elsewhere. end of the Elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved it. High high crime. How to kite and there's only potholes in the middle of it. Fewer potholes. Can I just say though, you groaned, Matt, but I did rather like you're going to need a bigger note at the start, a riff on you're going to need a bigger boat from Jaws. Yeah. Um, bang up to date. It's reference. not well. Yes, or we're going to need some bigger buns. From but you say Calendar it's not Girls. bang up to date. It was that that has been a riff recently yeah, yeah. around the fact that the government bought a bunch of barges. For oh yes. For the um, yeah, yeah, uh, right. the uh, uh, asylum seekers, yeah. um, and I've seen quite recent sort of memes saying oh, you're going to need a bigger boat because they'd filled it up within about a week. Um, so I thought that was um, had some redeeming qualities and as a cultural yeah, we reference we point. Really, we can't really discuss cultural reference points given that we talked about rainbow some legs last week. So you know, what? cutting edge stuff here. <laughs> Absolutely, bang up to date. <laughs> well, we thought you were going to raise the tone. <laughs> I don't even... I'm not familiar with Rainbow. You're not familiar with Rainbow? Oh, I know it a wee bit, but I can't really remember that much wow. about it. Tim Shipman's got some breaking news, some combination breaking news, Tim. Oh, yes. Uh, 41% of the population would like the king to grow a beard for the coronation. According to... The Beard Liberation Front, map. That, I can't work out if it was higher or lower. I don't know. That seem, doesn't seem like enough people, if you're a member of the Beard Liberation Front. Yeah, you'd want to, I think they'd probably want it to be higher. Mm. It seems high enough, though, doesn't it? <laughs> More importantly, Labour have put out a meme yes. on their Twitters of Rishi and David Cameron on the it's Jaws boat. It's not David boat. Cameron, it's is Jeremy it? Hunt. Oh, it's Jeremy Hunt, is it? Yeah. Oh. Uh, well, there we go. Which would make more it sense. It must have been done quite... It would make more sense. Yes, I don't think... Whoever, whoever's done it, I think, probably needs another uh, lesson, uh, photoshopping lesson. Well, it could be an advert for the skills agenda. That, We're going uh, to need a bigger note, obviously, because of... yeah. We're going to need a bigger digital budget. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Lara Spirits here. She's been watching the best of the rest, so that we didn't have to. Um, overall, oh, what, what, what overall, what have we missed? Uh, you've missed a lot of backbench MPs talking about the local elections uh, and asking the prime minister to either agree or disagree that their respective parties should be rewarded in tomorrow's <laughs> polls. So um, you so, didn't really miss much so you've, in relation you've, to quite a lot of those questions. You've, you've sat through that so that we didn't have to. Um, are, are we kicking off though uh, with uh, Stephen Flynn from the SNP? Yeah, as per usual, we're kicking off with the, uh, kicking off with Stephen Flynn, but this time not with a dig uh, towards Rishi Sunak, but actually towards Labour, which I think is very interesting, uh, accusing um, Rishi Sunak, or accusing Keir Starmer rather of having had his uh, Nick Clegg moment with regard to the recent news oh, we saw, obviously, on tuition fees. Uh, so take a listen to this because it's an interesting uh, slight change of tack from Stephen Flynn to his usual Wednesday appearance. Mr. Mr. Speaker, in 2010, David Cameron convinced Nick Clegg to drop his pledge on university tuition fees. Yep. Does the Prime Minister intend to take the credit for convincing the leader of the Labour Party oh, to do likewise? <laughs> Well, I, I, I thank the honourable gentleman for the question. Uh, it is, I, I'd say it's, it's hard to keep up, Mr. Speaker, with a list of broken promises. But what I would say uh, on tuition fees is I'm proud that under this government we now have a record number of people that are going to university from disadvantaged backgrounds, Mr. Speaker. And that's because the efforts we've placed to put more money into supporting those people and those communities to fulfil their aspirations alongside fantastic new apprenticeships in every part of our country. Aisha, interesting that, that Stephen Flynn, quite cleverly, because it was still technically in order, uh, but using it to attack uh, Labour rather than the government. And actually, Kiss Tommy looked a little bit, was it almost blushing? Peaky. But, yes. I think he was sort of, I think that won't have um, bothered him. It's really interesting how the dynamic has changed, and that is fascinating. So you have, there you have an SNP leader not choosing to, to hammer the Tories on many, many bad things that, that are happening. Poverty is going up, food banks going mm. up. Also, I was in Scotland last week doing a, 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 a political 
debate show and a lot of people in Scotland are furious about the coronation as well and the cost of the coronation, etc, etc. So the fact that he uses his precious questions to attack Labour shows that that is what they're really... Mm. They see their competition now, it's it's basically Labour. They've got to attack them in Westminster, attack them in Scotland. I mean, interestingly, the show I did, the Tory politician barely said a word. All the sort of two-way was between the SNP and, uh, and the Labour politician. Well, that's where the battle for seats is, isn't it? I mean, it's that straightforward. I, I mean, it's quite telling, though, if you're a Tory, that the biggest cheer of the entire session was not anything the Prime Minister said, but something that the leader of the, the SNP said. said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think here's something about quite pleased to be talked about. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Albeit for breaking yet another promise. Uh, lots of thumbs up from the SNP front bench as well from that. They, 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 they particularly enjoyed uh, that. Uh, where are we going next, Lara? We are going to the Labour MP, uh, Vicky Foxcroft. Uh, I think we should be remiss of us not to have one local election uh, themed question from this best thread. This one's potentially more interesting because it's about voter ID. Of course, we'll be seeing that oh, yeah. tomorrow. And because Vicky Foxcroft has been in Medway, where Starmer and Angela Rayner are going later, and where Greg Hans, the Tory chairman, is tomorrow. So, one of the key seats with we'll his bit with, with the note. With the note, with the very big note. Right, let's take a listen. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Ahead of tomorrow's local elections, I have been campaigning in Medway and Swindon. The word on the doorstep is that people are ready for a change yeah. and will be switching their votes from the Conservatives to Labour. Yeah. However, I am concerned that only 4% of those without valid ID have applied online for a voter authority certificate. So will the Prime Minister commit to a post-election review of how many people have effectively been disenfranchised by his government's response to the virtually non-existent problem of voter fraud? Mr Speaker, 98% of people already possess a suitable form of voter ID and the government made available free alternative ID for those that do not have it. The pilots have demonstrated it hasn't significantly impacted turnout and indeed this was a policy that was introduced by the Labour Party in Northern Ireland all those years ago. It's, it, it's, common, it's common in European countries, it's common in Canada and it's absolutely right that we introduce it here too. This is a problem, isn't it? It's just one of those that passes me by completely. I mean, open your wallet. You've got a driving licence, you've got all these other things. Wow. If you haven't got it and you care about voting, go and get what you need to get. Um, it's not going to affect turnout because nobody's going to vote in these elections anyway. Turnout's going to be off the cliff low. Aisha's now going to have a right old game. But as he says, it's just totally normal in other countries this, that you just well, turn up. If you turn up and say, oh, I missed the blogs and they cross your name off the list like they always did. I mean... What what is that? I so just don't understand is, what the fuss is about. It's so a ridiculous if, think, thing for there, Labour to get upset about. I think about. if there was a massive problem with people turning up and impersonating other people at the electoral uh, well, you uh, go to Tower moves. Hamlets on Thursday. Okay, so Tower Hamlets was a different case, and actually it showed that the system worked, and that actually wasn't people impersonating them at the polling station. That was about proxy votes and postal votes. None of this legislation is looking at postal votes this is basically going to impact on people who are likely to not be like tim and organize some people from ethnic minority backgrounds oh, who are very no, well but lots of people don't have i mean lots of people don't have their papers lots of people don't have a passport lots of people don't have an identity card on them the cabinet officer's own figures say that they think 2.1 million people will be affected by this look if this was a big problem i would say absolutely bring it in but most politicians say, right, you've got to encourage younger people to vote. You've got to make it easier for people to vote. You've got to really encourage people to vote. People are really, really busy. People are going to turn up, not realise this is happening, get sent home, and they're not going to come back. And or maybe this is only, a, you know, we treat this as a trial. It's only for the local elections. And then everyone will know for next time when there's a general election, they'll know to bring it. So that, I hope that happens. I hope there's a big information campaign. But one of the things, I did a big piece on this last week, even some uh, like Tory MPs are now worried. So part of it has got to be if your ID is up to date. So they're really worried that some of their older voters will turn up with a passport, which is out yeah, of date yeah. from like 20 years ago, and they will not be bothered to go home and come back no. again. And the other things are not capturing data on this, not capturing data on who is being turned away because they haven't got the right yeah. ID. And that is quite important if you are good faith, want to make sure people aren't disenfranchised. It's just a weird thing to make it l more difficult for people to vote, which we should all think is quite an important thing to do. Part of me also thinks if you just make the effort, 
Why do we need to make it easier and to, to vote? Because I think... It, it's if important to think it out and vote. But if, that, if you're going to introduce that change, I think you have to do it over a lot of time with a lot of campaigning. And actually, there was a survey one about, about one in four people didn't even know about it. No, but hardly anybody. Although probably far more people don't even know there's local elections. But when it comes to a general election, it's going to be very important. There could be total chaos. And if the Tories start losing a bunch of pensioner votes as a consequence, um, it will have come back to bite them. Um, But uh, It's a very extreme measure to crack a problem that doesn't, doesn't really exist. It's not an extreme it's measure. It's a totally standard, but it, normal but, measure. But it will, it will, it will, it will shrink, it will shrink the voter mistake. base and it will shrink uh, done, the left-wing Coming in here with your, with your content. The vast <laughs> majority of people who have no ID would have no intention of voting to start with. Well, we need to try I and posit. encourage people. to. It just seems weird to actually want to shrink the franchise. And that brings us to the end of PMQ's Unpacked for this week. Do let us know what you thought of what went on or what you think of the podcast. Just email me, matt at times.radio. But for now, for me, Matt Jolly, it's goodbye. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.